Turn with me to Matthew chapter 7, 10, verse 7 and 8. Y'all know this is one of my many favorite scriptures. We're going to continue the message, finding yourself starts with giving yourself away. Continue where we left off last week. Finding yourself starts with giving yourself away. You know, we come to Jesus because a lot of times we need something. Every time we need something, we need a Savior. And we come to Jesus in, uh, in hopes that we'll receive something. But when we come to Jesus, we're actually coming to him in the aspect of giving ourselves to Jesus. We come to him thinking we're coming to receive in which we are, but we're also coming to give. God, I, I mean, what, the prayer of salvation, Lord, I give you my life. Father, you've given me everything. You've given me eternal life. You've given me your son, Jesus. You've given me everything I need in return. I've got nothing. I am nothing, but I give you what I have, my life. And when we do that, God can begin to use us. Matthew 10, 7 through 8, and it says, As you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. As you go, preach. And basically it's saying not just as you go, but as you go out, as you just do your daily day, as you go to do what you've been called to do, in any aspect of your life, as you walk, as you travel, as you do your day, go. How many of y'all, Monday morning you go? You go to work, you go to take the kids to school, you go here, you go there, you go to the coffee shop. Maybe you say, well, I'm retired, but you go somewhere. And when you go, preach. Letting them know that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then he says, but when you do this, don't just say it with your mouth. We all know the church has a lot of talk. I mean, I'll watch the news lately and know the world has a lot of talk, too. So much talk, you don't even know what to believe. And we agree with that. Talk, 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 talk. Both sides. I don't care which side. I do care which side you're on. But, <laughs> but no matter which side you're on, you, you still got to a place that you realize so many people don't have proof no matter what they're saying. Even the ones that say they have proof don't have any proof. And it's ridiculous. But I don't want to go out and go and preach saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand, but at hand I've got nothing. If the kingdom of heaven is at hand, therefore I should have what the kingdom of heaven has, therefore I should give what I have been freely received. And if I'm going to go and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ in the good news, let's just not talk about it. Let's show it. Let's show that there's good news and there's power in the name of Jesus. We say, oh, there's power in the name of Jesus, but are you using the name of Jesus for power? Are you doing anything with what he's given you? And I'm trying to break the mentality the mentality that is in the house of God and that is in the world that I'm not worthy enough and I'm not good enough to lay hands on the sick and they recover. 
Because God, Jesus never said, when you're worthy enough and you're holy enough, go and preach the gospel and lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. No, he said, but when you've come unto me, and when the Holy Spirit will come upon you, he says, you'll receive power. There was nothing about how long you've been a Christian. There was nothing about how much of this book that you know. Now, he does say that my people perish for lack of knowledge. What's interesting is that he said, he didn't say the world perishes for lack of knowledge. He said, my people perish because they ain't getting in this word. Because they don't know what it says. Because they're not taking it, accepting it, receiving it. And as they freely received, giving it away. The world doesn't need the knowledge. The church does so they can give it to the world. You can't expect the world to pick up the Bible. You want to know why? Because it says it's a mystery to the unbeliever. They won't even be able to comprehend it. But when you have Jesus and you've freely received the comprehension that you need to understand this, now you can freely give it. And when you freely receive the power of the Almighty God to release the gifts in which he's given you, you freely give it. Because you know this is part of your duty and your calling as a Christian. Find yourself starts with giving yourself away. So often because I just don't know who I am. Give yourself away and you'll find yourself. Give yourself away. Who am I in him? Give yourself away. Start doing what you're reading. Start doing what he's called you to do. And all of a sudden you begin to find yourself in him. Why? Because think about this. If he's pouring into you and you're never giving out, all of a sudden you've just got a measure into you. But if you continue to give it, the more you continue to receive of him and the more you continue to find yourself in him. And when you perish for lack of knowledge is because you don't know who you are in him, which is in the word of who you are in him. So all of a sudden now you begin to understand I am who God says that I am. I am a part of his heir. I am a child of the almighty God. I am one with power. I am one who can cast out demons. I am one who can heal the sick. I am one who can make the dead rise again. I am one that can go out and do what Christ has called me to do. I am one that can build what Christ has called me to build. I am one that can go out and win the lost. I am one who can go out and preach the gospel. I am one who can go out and show who God is and give the glory to God in everything that I do. I am one who has a strength in me because Jesus living in me that makes all all things possible. So whatever God calls me to do, I know who I am in him. Therefore, I can go out and do what he's called me to do through he who is in me and the power that is in me that makes all things possible. So we can stop wondering if what God has called us to do will come to pass. And we start knowing that he who is in me is greater than he who is in the world. Therefore, whatever the world throws at me, my God is greater than it. If he who is in you is greater than who is in the world, think about this. He who is in the world causes sickness, but he who is in me cures all sickness. He who is in the world creates death. He who is in me creates life. So now if you know who you are in Christ, that I am one in Christ, 
that has his power that he's given me to freely use. I am one in Christ Jesus. Listen, I am a what? New creature. Galatians 2.20, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. That if Christ is living in you, set aside the mentality that you're doing it. And when you get past the part of me and I and realize him and he, then all of a sudden you get to a place to know that it's not me anyhow. So if people get healed and the dead raised, it wasn't by my power. It was he who's living in me. And if all things have been made new, the old nature and the old man who is in me and the mind that I once had is now the mind of Christ because he lives in me. So now the power is in me. The mind is on me. So now when I go and I preach and I lay hands on the sick and I do what he's called me to do, it begins to manifest and it begins to happen because it wasn't me anyhow. So then we can go back to God humbly, and when we humbly come to him, now we say, thank you, God, for what you did today, because it wasn't me who lives, but you who lives. It wasn't my power, but your power. And I've been created new by you, so it wasn't the old man, and it wasn't anything that I could do, and in my weakness, I'm made strong, and when it's impossible, all things become possible. So now when you go out and do, you can't take the credit because you know the scripture and who you are in him and realize that you're nothing without him. And if he's everything and you're nothing, all of a sudden God gets all the credits. You get nothing and now God can move and work through you because he knows it's no longer about you, but it's about him. Are you all out there today? And then all of a sudden we get excited when God says, go. And then all of a sudden faith is no longer a thing that's, that, that, that makes you tremble, but faith is a thing that gets you excited. And then you realize that the God that lives in you, you want to please him. And if you want to please him, and the only way to please him is by faith, you step out in faith. It pleases God. And then God goes and works on your behalf. And he does in the very thing that you thought you couldn't do. You realize now that you can't do, but in him it's possible. So now I can, but it's not me, it's him because he's living in me and through me. So now all of a sudden you get out of the way and you just let God live. So now we go back to the beginning that we said, God, I give you my life. And now no longer is it a sacrifice, but it's a blessing. So in everything that you do and you think that it's a sacrifice, once you get there, you realize it wasn't a sacrifice, it was a blessing. So in reality, we're not sacrificing anything. When we go to step out in a sacrifice... God blesses. So was it a sacrifice or was it a blessing? So now we say, oh, I'm just going to sacrifice this. You're not sacrificing. Oh, I'm just going to get blessed in this area. Oh, God is just going to move. God is going to do. And now when you go out to lay hands on the sick, now that you get that identity him, know you who you are in him, and know that it's him and not you as we've been saying. And if I went too fast, go back and watch it again. Not right now. But all of a sudden, now you get to a place that when you lay your hands on the sick, you have a different faith than you had before. You're not the one that says, oh, ye of little faith. No, you have little faith because you think it was by your hands. You have little faith because you think it was you doing it. But all of a sudden, when you're saying, it's not me, I'm just an empty vessel, 
for God to fill up and use, now all of a sudden when you lay hands on the sick, you know it's going to come to pass. You know it's going to happen. And then you get to a place that if you don't see it happen, you get more shocked than you would if you saw it happen. She's an example of the faith of Smith Wigglesworth. Dead body. He hears maybe in his head. Maybe he didn't hear a tangible voice. Maybe he heard God speak in his head and say, pick that body up and throw it against the wall, and he'll be healed. You got three choices. One, don't do anything because you're afraid you're going to look like a fool. How many of y'all can... And why you don't do anything, you're arguing to God going, well, God, I can't. Because if I do and he doesn't come back to life, then how will that make me or you look? How many of y'all have, have ever tried to step out in faith and you have an excuse like that? Do you know what you're actually confessing to God? God, I'm doubting right now. I'm doubting. So then you can go, well, I'm going to go ahead and do it, but if it don't happen, I'm running out the door. And I'm going to deny this. And you keep doubting, and all of a sudden you do it even in doubt, and it doesn't happen. You wonder why it didn't happen. Maybe it's because you did it in doubt rather than faith. Or three, you've already found your identity in him. You've come to the realization and the understanding that it's not you, it's him. It's not by your power, but by his, and that he's already called you to do it. And if he's already called you to do it, he's already made a way for it to happen. And if God speaks you to do it, what do you do? You pick up the body and you throw it against the wall, as Smith Wigglesworth did. And if it doesn't happen, you go, well, let's do it again because I know God told me to do it. And let's do it again. And let's do it again. And maybe on the third time, he'll come back to life. I mean, look at the disciples. Jesus died. And on the first day, he didn't raise again. And then you know what Jesus does after he comes back, after he raises on the third day, he comes back and he looks at them and he goes, oh, you have no faith. Man, I, I hang on a cross, I die, and y'all are out of here that quick? You couldn't wait three days for me? I'd already told you what was going to happen. It had been prophesied over and over again. You knew that I was the Messiah. How many of y'all ever have doubt even though you knew what the Word of God said? But you know what's awesome is? Even though the disciples doubted, even though Jesus came back and rebuked them, even though Jesus came back and said, oh, ye of no faith, no, he did, he was still able to use them. All they, were, all they had to do was just get up and say, you're right, Lord, I messed up. Forgive me, and I'm going forward. But Jesus says the one that, that to Peter, Simon Peter, the one that, that denies Jesus three times, the one that, that Jesus come back and says, oh, ye of no faith. The one that walks away from the cross not believing. The one that goes back to doing what he was doing before. After Jesus calls him out of it, goes back to the old stuff. Jesus still comes and says, I got faith in you. Will you tend my sheep? 
Then he confirmed it. Do you love me? Well, Jesus, you know that I love you. Do you love me? Jesus, you know that I love Do you love me? Of course I love you. Okay. That's all I needed from you. Now tend my sheep. That's all I needed is for you to know that you love me. And when you love me, you'll begin to, to honor me. You'll begin to allow me to work in your life. Now you can do what I've called you to do. I ask you today, do you love him? Do you love him? And when you love him, it's that easy. Okay, tend my sheep. Okay, go. Go. And when you go, preach. I don't know how to preach. Say this, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And when you say that, I've already given you the power to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to cast out demons, to cleanse the lepers. Freely, you've received this gift that I've given you. Will you tend to my sheep? Go heal them. When they die, raise them. Raise them back. And even while you're tending my sheep, the world's going to see my power in that. And while you go out preaching the gospel, the world's going to see the power that you're using while you speak. The power that I've freely given you, will you freely give it away? We have to understand, God didn't give us power and do the things in us just so we could sit dormant in our life. A lot of times, preaching this very passage offends people. As you go preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is in the end, heal the sick. Well, Pastor, you don't understand. I laid hands on somebody to heal the sick, and they still died. Cleanse the lepers, nothing happened. Prayed to raise the dead, they didn't come back to life. I tried to cast out demons. And I got one myself. Pastor, that offends me because I tried that and it didn't work. That offends me. Something like this offends people that aren't willing to keep their trust in Jesus. Because when your trust is in Jesus, that even if it didn't seem to work one time, you keep on doing. And you keep on going. And you keep on preaching and you keep on loving, and you keep on giving. Here's what's awesome is, you did nothing to deserve this. Therefore, don't make someone else deserve it for you to give it to them. Say it again. You did nothing to deserve it. Therefore, don't look at people and say, well, them or this or judge them. Well, they probably don't have the faith for me to lay hands on them. They don't this. They don't that. They're a bad person. They don't deserve. Oh, they, they're, they're in this position because what they just did to that person, I'm not going to. He says, you didn't do anything to deserve it. So why are you trying to make them to have done something to deserve it? As you have freely received, freely give. Give it to the worst of the worst. Give it to the best of the best. He's given it to you, give it away. You may say, well, I don't have much. Well, all he wants is what you have. All he wants is what you have. Not what you don't. You know, many speak of what we can receive, but the truth be said, 
our hearts need to be on what we can give. You know, I believe, I, I know one, so many things I love about Jesus, but one thing that's so awesome is Jesus allows us to find him in the mindset of what we can receive. But when we find him, he changes our mind. He renews our mind. He renews our hearts. He makes all things new. And now all of a sudden the position of our heart is what we can give rather than what we can receive. How many of y'all know the world doesn't come to Jesus so they can give something? They come to Jesus because they're looking to find something. And Jesus goes, now I can make you a new creature. Now I can call you, make you born again. Now I can give you a, a new life, a new start, a new mind. He makes all things new. So now all of a sudden when you find Jesus, you realize that you have everything that you were searching for, everything you were longing for, and now all you've got to do is begin to give it away. I've got everything. I've got everything. I mean, could you imagine going up to one of these? She's a nice word here. Rich people that we see on the news and telling them, I have everything. Well, let me see your bank account. I don't need to show you my bank account. I have more than you. I have more than you. Well, how do you, how do you say? I have all, everything, everything that I need, I have, and more. My heart's fulfilled. Yours isn't. You're still searching for something. I've already found it. What if you went to someone that's so rich and instead of looking for them to give something to you that's not going to fulfill you, you look to give something to them to help fulfill them? Why? Because we have it all. We literally have everything. Listen, church. Give yourself to him. Give yourself to his calling for your life. Be a good steward of what you have. He's given you some power, and if you want more, give some of it away. Give it away. Why? Because in the measure that you've been dealt, well, you know what? The only person I see that, that gets sick, that gets healed when I pray for them is someone with a headache. Okay, we'll keep praying for people with headaches. Give it away. And watch more power begin to come. Maybe you say, the only time I see people get, get healed is something that I can't see, that in my mind I'm wondering if they just made it up, the healing. That's how the devil works. You say, no, I know how powerful my God is, and my God can heal a little toe. How much more can he heal? What if we got rid of all other options and said, just Jesus? Just Jesus. I'm going to rely on Jesus. America, we got so many options. But Jesus is the only option that doesn't have a bad side effect. You say, well, Pastor, I don't have the faith to believe, but we'll just start somewhere. I'm not asking you to, to, to step out and believe this first moment of ever praying for somebody, you're going to raise the dead. If you want to, praise the Lord. But you got to start somewhere. 
And a lot of people say, well, you know, I'm not going to pray for something small like that. Well, how are you ever going to build up your faith? Start building it up somewhere. You know, as a kid, when I started praying for, for people and things, you know where I started? My hyper dog. I'm a little nine-year-old kid. I got to pray for somebody nobody else around. I'd start laying hands on a hyper dog. A hyper dog would just start laying down and relaxing. And I'm like, wow, God, that's the biggest miracle I've ever seen. You know, them boxers are, and them boxer dogs are crazy. You got to start somewhere. Dude, my kids, I hurt. Well, let's pray for you. I got a headache. Let's pray for you. I'm bleeding. Let's pray for you. Start showing your kids in the small things that God will do so when the big things happen, they've already got the faith built up. Don't wait until they need a miracle. What a miracle is? Something that there's no other way that it can come to pass besides God. That's a miracle. So when a miracle comes to pass and they need the faith, let them have already been building it up. Why? Because you've been pouring into them. As you freely receive, freely give. Those at your workplace. It's funny, I've got people that uh, around, they may not say they believe in God or they're not into that God thing, but I tell you what, when they need prayer, guess who they call? When something goes wrong, guess who they're reaching out to? Guess where the text message goes? It goes to the ones that they know have the power. When they're searching for something, they know where to turn. Some get discouraged and write people off because they weren't willing to receive Jesus just then. Let me tell you, Jesus knows how to work in people. And people are going to go through something that they really, really realize that they need Jesus. And guess what? If you've written them off and done with them, they ain't turning to you for the answers. But if you've been there and said, I still love you, all of a sudden now they get to a place, you know what? There's that one guy. There's that one girl. Man, I even cursed them out and told them I didn't want to have anything to do with their God, and they still kept loving me. And right now, if their God's real, I'd like to see it because I really need a Savior in my life. And all of a sudden, who they reach out to? Plant seeds. Do something. Here's what's awesome. Jesus never calls us to give without giving us first the power to do it. Say it again. Jesus never calls us to give without first giving us the power to do it. So if, if you need to, if God has called us to lay hands on the sick, cast out demons, whatever it is, let me tell you, he's already given you the power to do it. So you don't have to worry, God, give me the power to do this. It's already there. He lives in you. It's there in you. It's his temple. Keep it holy. Watch what's going in and watch what's coming out. I mean, you got a, a picture of the temple in the Old Testament. Heck, picture church. Some of y'all watch your tongue when you get in church. I'm not going to ask you to lift hands on that. But what are you doing with the same temple of God outside the church? This is the church. We are the church. So why is it when we look at a building we try to get all holy? When we're the church. 
Say, well, the building's going to fall down and fire's going to come up if I walk into church. Man, the church is all around you all day long. They ain't going up in flames. You ain't going up in the flames. And that building really ain't going up because if anyone's going up in flames, it's you, not the building. Why? Because the world doesn't understand who they can be in Christ Jesus. They don't understand who they are and who they can be. Matthew 10:1 it says, And when he had called his 12 disciples to him, Listen, we've just gone back from, from where they were talking to Matthew 7, 8. Go preach, do these things, you know, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons. And then all of a sudden, right before he had just done this, he called the 12 to him, and here's what he did. He gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal all kinds of sickness and to all kinds of diseases. What did he do? Before he asked them to do something, he gave them the power to do it. And I'm telling you today, God has asked you to do something, and he's already given you the power to do it. It's called faith, church, that all of a sudden when we begin to step out in it, we begin to uh, understand that it's already there. It's called faith. When God says to lay your hands on the sick and they'll recover, I step out in faith knowing it's already been done, knowing he's already given me the power, knowing it already happened on the cross over 2,000 years ago. I begin to exercise my faith in what Christ has already given me, and then in return it pleases God. And you know what's awesome? He says that those who are obedient are blessed. So we please God. We're blessed. We're building our faith. We're changing the world. We're healing the sick. We're casting out demons. We're raising the dead. And then we sit back at home and we wonder if God really has a plan for us. Does God really have a plan for me? There's a lost and dying world out there. People are sick. People are dying. People are going to hell. Jesus sends, comes and dies for us. His Father sends His only begotten Son, which most of the heathens know John 3.16 anyhow. And all of a sudden, we have the nerve to sit at home and go, does God really have a plan for my life? Does God have a plan for me. I'm never going to be able to use by God. No, you ain't if you're going to sit at home and do nothing all day long and complain and gripe and not know who you are in Christ. He's already called you. He's already had a plan for you. And all he wants you to do is get up and go. Well, I would go if God would just, you know, give me the power to do it. He's already given it to you. When you said yes. When you said I do. Jesus I do, I do give you my life. Forgive me of my sins. Make me a new creature in you. And now he says, okay, you've received it. Okay, here it is. Do what I've called you to do. And they go on to do these things. Holy Spirit, I need you. Holy Spirit, work through me. And we sit there and say, well, I just don't know if God has a plan for me. You may not know the exact details. Let me, let me make something clear. You may not know the exact details of the plan. Nobody does, except for him. But you've got to start somewhere. P. 
Peter, will you tend my sheep? Peter, will you tend my sheep? Peter, will you tend my sheep? Why did he continue to say it? Peter had gone away from his calling. Peter had gone back going, Jesus is gone. I guess I ain't got, there's no plan for me anymore. I was his arm bearer. I was next to him. I was right there. I was willing to chop some ears off for Jesus. And he went away. Jesus said, I've already given you all that you need. Come on, let's go. Let's do this. Even though you can't see me, I'm with you. Here I am. Pick up your cross and let's go. I died on the cross. Let's do this. I sent the Holy Spirit. You got it now. If you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit, let's get you baptized today. Let's get you baptized. Come talk to us. Sir, we'll do it. God wants you to be. But he gives them the power. He gave them power over. Not under, not beside, but over unclean spirits. Anybody still out there today? Here's what's interesting. And when he had called his 12 disciples to them, he gave them. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, and twelve, Judas. If y'all know the story of Judas, he's the one that betrayed Jesus. Jesus knowing this, Jesus knowing someone will betray him, God knowing this, guess what? God still gave him the power to go and do this, but it was his choice if he took it or not. And maybe today you say, I've messed up. God already knew you were going to mess up, but he's still giving you the power to get up. Mess up, fess up, and get up. Say it again. When you mess up, fess up. And once you fess up, get up. And when you get up, go. Go. Go and preach. Go and do what he's called you to do. There's so much. But the devil, listen, I'm telling you what. The devil knows what he's doing. He knows how to do what he's doing. So I don't know about that. Man, the devil has been around for longer than me and you. He got Adam and Eve to fall. He's learned this generation after generation after generation after generation how to lie to people that people will listen. You know what one, one number one ways is? Oh, God can't use you. Oh, who are you to think God could use you? He uses the false humility. But when you know who you are in Christ, that's how you fight the lies of the devil is with your sword that you pull out. No. I know who I am in Christ. I know what he's called me to do. I know the power that he's given me. And I know where I should go is wherever he's called me to go. And I know that sitting in my basement doing nothing all day long, moaning and groaning and griping and complaining that God can't use me, that I'm never going to be used. Why? Because he can't use an attitude like that. But if you let him, he'll change an attitude like that. But when you get up and go, all of a sudden things happen. problem with the church today is we don't get up and go. Just waiting for God to use me. I mean, the, the team that went with us to Kentucky, God used every one of them. Why? Because they went. It was that simple. Go, I'll go. 
I'll go. I'll go. Two words, I'll go. And what happens? When you go, these things will happen. When you go and you believe, what? Signs will follow. That's what he wants to happen. Well, I just don't know if God wants to use me. He wants to. He said that he did. I mean, could you imagine if God's standing before you? Are you calling me a liar? Are you calling me a liar? Well, no, God, I believe your word. I believe it's true. So why are you arguing it? I believe the church needs to find who they are. Understand who they are. Believe who they are. We got to believe it. We got to understand it. We got to know it. Ooh, we could be here for the next three weeks. Some of y'all are going, oh, dear Jesus. Here's the thing. Coming to the church to be equipped to go out. You know what happens when you're in training? Say you've got a gun. They, they train you the different things of the gun. They talk about the gun. They, they begin to, to use, they, they show you this. This is how you pull the trigger. This is how you load the ammo. This is how you do all these things with the gun or whatever gun it is that you use. I'm not going to pull out a gun right now or some of you all may run. But they show you proper etiquettes of how to use a gun. You don't pull a gun out and start waving it around. But you know what? Eventually, during the training course, you've got to go out and try it out. Eventually, if you want to get better at it, you go and you use it. And the more you use it, the better you are at using it. And I'm telling you today that don't come into this. I encourage you. Don't come into this house being equipped to go out and do and never doing because eventually what happens is Jesus says, oh, you have little faith or oh, you have no faith. But when you come in, get equipped and go out and say, I'm going to try this out today. You know what you should do is you should try it out right away. Because usually by Monday when you slept on it, you've already lost a little bit of it. And by the time Friday comes around for the next service, you can't even remember what was preached. That's why you take notes. And go back and review them. Go over the scriptures. Let it resync in your, your heart and your mind again. But the same thing in training is you learn how to use the gun, but then you go out and you target practice. Then you go out and you begin to use it. And you know what? At first, guess what? You may mess up a little bit. Guess what you do? Come back in, get some more training. Get some more training. You try it again. You practice. You look at some of the greatest sport heroes of all time. Look at Michael Jordan. They say, well, he was so good he didn't need to practice. No, that's why he was so good is because he practiced. A lot of times we don't see what's done behind the scenes. How come this person has so much power? We're out together all the time. Why do they, they seem to be exercising more power than I do? Because it's probably what they're doing when they're not out. It's probably what they're doing behind closed doors. It's probably what they're doing with their idle time. How much time are you in this and how much time are you on your knees? How much time are you spending with God? 
I mean, look at the disciples. They understood the concept of spending time with Jesus. They gave up their lives to go spend time with Jesus. They gave it all up. I'll spend time with you, Jesus. I want to be where you are. I'll walk with you. I'll eat with you. I'll live with you. Because I just want to be where you are. And that's what they did. Where Jesus went, there they went. Come on, Jesus, let's go over here. Come on, Jesus. Jesus like, come on, disciples. Sometimes he's like, why are y'all sleeping? Get up. Ain't got time for this. Time's short. Pray lest you fall into temptation. What's he saying? If you don't pray, you will fall. That's what he says. Pray lest you fall into temptation. If you don't pray, you will fall. That's all there is to it. Well, pastor, I, I pray in my car. It's not a relationship. Probably while you're praying, you get upset at a few people too. Good. Pray in your car. That's awesome. I hope you do. But I hope you do some more than that. I hear that all the time. I pray to work and from work. I got an hour drive there, an hour drive. I, get, I spend two hours a day with God. Let's see how your spouse would like that. One time you can talk to her is when you're in your car. You get home at night, though, you better, you better believe I ain't talking to you. I done talked to you for two hours a day, honey. <laughs> Not right now. I mean, could you imagine? And guess what? It wouldn't work. It doesn't work. Therefore, our relationship with Christ, we begin to develop. And we begin to find joy in doing what he's already called us to do. Amen, church? But I just want to encourage you today to begin to find yourself in him. To begin to know your identity of who you are in him. And it's the greatest thing. Just like Brian was saying a few moments ago. Just to watch people. Just by you doing what you're supposed to do. Oh, I'll pray for you. We didn't have to ask people if we could pray for them. Can you pray for me? 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 Can I receive Jesus? Didn't have to ask them. Why? Because we went. When you go. And all of a sudden, in the midst of it, God begins to use you. And all of a sudden, in the midst of it all, I mean, you could see how Excited he was even telling about it. The creator of the universe used me to change eternity for someone else. Think of that. I mean, that's... I can't find anything else that would bring so much joy. I was used because I went. And I said, yes, it's all that I did. I was used so that someone else could be saved from the pit of hell for eternity and live with Jesus Christ forever. Not by my strength, not by my power, but by His. And it's that simple, church. You just have to start with, yes, Lord. Amen.